Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, everyone. Uh, I was just talking with Jesse. You know, it's interesting because it, we visit other congregations before, and, and, and it's always interesting to note that it, it feels like you're coming home. You know, I've, I've gone to places like Albania and Romania. I've come here, and it's always it feels so good to be able to go to a place where you're with like-minded people, and, and the pattern of worship is as we find in Scripture. It's just, it's just good. It feels good on a Sunday to be worshiping together. And I really appreciate you guys inviting me here and appreciate the invitation from Brother Gonzalez. He's, I, we call each other J-squared because he's Justin 1 and I'm Justin 2. And as I said earlier, he has no reason to fear. I will not be able to, to compete with Mr. Justin and his ability. So he was very shrewd in inviting me here because uh, he has no reason to fear now that he's going on vacation, a well-deserved vacation. Um, by the way, I think tomorrow is his birthday. So... Uh, Good for him. I'm glad he's able to take a break. It's a, it's my advantage to be with here, here with you. Um, what's your destiny? For those of you that weren't able to make Bible class this morning, we, we've been talking about God. And he's, he's given us his best. And he wants us to give him our best. And we've been talking about God. We've been talking about his vision of humanity. And... He tells us that we were created in his image. Humanity having his image means that we can behave like God. We can think like him. We can act like him. We're capable of so much good. Our truest self is spiritual. We are priceless in the eyes of God. That's his vision of us. And for much of this morning's sermon... I'm going to take the, the conversation a little bit of a different direction because I want to dig into the subject of sin, the terrible consequence of sin. All accountable human beings, we've encountered it. We've all encountered it. We've been either, either on the giving end or the receiving end of it. There's not a one of us who hasn't lied, who hasn't sowed discord, said something wrong or done something we know we shouldn't have done or not done something we know we should have done. It's ugly. Sin is ugly. Sin is it's selfish. It hurts others. It hurts ourselves. It hurts our relationship with God. In fact, it, we've, we come to find it despises God and everything that he's done for us. Sin is everything that God is not. And this morning, we're continuing to, to summarize a series of lessons from Brother Eric Owens out of Avondale. He's a preacher and elder in Georgia. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? And one thing we'll discover is that it means that we have a destiny. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But we're going to talk about the problem of sin. And sin, ultimately, how it destroys that image. We're made in the image of God, but sin gets in the way. It hurts. It darkens it. It alters it. It distorts the image. And ultimately, it dooms the soul. And Scripture says of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, verse 7, that after they sinned, their eyes were opened. They had a new experience. Now they've actually seen and experienced things they shouldn't have. And it's changed them. We have these babies. They're innocent. They're pure. They're, and every one of us was one of these babies at one point, right? And then we grow up and then we get into sin. And in sin, we see ourselves and we see others and we see God differently. 
And that was the case in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12 with David. And David, for example, in his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, one sin very often it leads to more sin, doesn't it? And it started out with lust that led to an adulterous relationship. And then it, he tried to cover it up. And that resulted in people losing their lives, including Bathsheba's husband. Ultimately, sin leads to more sin. Sin is self-serving. We have new experiences, and particularly in the beginning, we, we experience things like shame and guilt. And we want to hide it. We want to hide the sin and shame. But then, if left unchecked, it progresses to less shame and more of a hard heart. Our hearts become harder. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter. Like the sin ultimately doesn't matter to us anymore. It feels good. It's fine. And we get comfortable with it. And then all of a sudden, we're no longer anywhere close to resembling that image. The image of God. So over time, this gives way to despair. And in the end, loneliness, because sin affects our mind and our relationship ultimately with our Father in heaven and with others. We don't think right when we're in sin. Listen to what Jesus says in Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 18. Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach and is eliminated? And he said, he would go on to say near the end of that section of text in verse 23 that what comes out of a man, that defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil. In other words, out of the mind and the heart of men proceed evil. In our sin, we don't think right. And our thoughts determine our actions. So in turn, we don't live right. Turn with me in your Bible, if you, if you could, to Romans chapter 1, verse 21. We're going to see a little bit more. We're discovering what sin does to us. It's sin that distorts our ability to see spiritually. And so that what should be seen as evil ends up becoming good in our minds. And what should be seen and avoided becomes desired. And what should be seen as harmful begins to be seen as beneficial. Romans 1.21 and following, God speaks of unrighteous people who ignored Him. And because... Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. And became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Humanity. Living in sin. When we are living that way. We are living way, way, way below our potential. This is God's vision of us. He loves us. He knows we're held prisoner by sin. And if left unchecked, we will die spiritually. We will go to hell. Eternally separated from our Father in heaven. And so what's the solution? Well, God's mission. We talked about it this morning. Send Jesus Send Jesus to save us from sin. Because we need Jesus to get out of sin. So the Bible tells us that Jesus came to redeem us. He came to justify us. He came to teach us His ways. He came to deliver us. And many years before He came to earth through the prophet Isaiah, 
God foretold in Isaiah 42:16, I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do them and not forsake them. Jesus is a true friend. And he's the best possible friend to sinners. And folks, we're all in it. We know that. We can't find a better friend than Jesus. So point number one on your outline, because of sin, we need conversion. We need conversion. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and notice. We'll spend some time in Ephesians 4, so you might want to turn in your Bibles there to Ephesians 4. Notice what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4, 17. We need to, we need, the soul needs what? We need conversion. Converted to what? Back to its original state. Spiritually, it needs to get out of sin. It needs to be cleansed. It needs to be made new again. Turn with me again. Ephesians 4.17. Recall that part of what it means to be made in the image of God is that we are thinking beings. And we have the ability to learn and know right from wrong. That's what it means. That's part of what it means to be made in the image of God. We have a conscious choice to make to do good or to do evil. And many who foolishly say there is no God. They will say that we are creatures of evolution, that we are evolving and suggest that the evil things that we do or they do are, are a step forward for humanity. But they have it backwards. There is a God and living in sin actually devolves. It devolves. It leads to isolation and despair and ultimately spiritual ruin. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Now, how are they walking? How are they walking? Listen to the descriptions of what they're doing. In the futility of their mind. In other words, an emptiness of mind. An emptiness of mind. A blindness to what is truly important. What are we doing in sin? We're walking in the vanity or the emptiness of mind. There are many passages in Scripture that echo this sentiment. Those that reject God have minds that are enmity with God. Romans 8, 7. Poisoned. Acts 14, 2. Foolish and darkened. Romans 1, 21. Blinded. Matthew 15, 14. And here we see the word in Ephesians 4, 17. Futile. Sometimes... You know, we'll be watching the news, right? And this isn't to judge other people. We just judge people by their actions. And we see, we see through their actions that they're not living in harmony with God. But we'll see travesty. We'll see terrible things said or done as people do or say things. Watching them say and do things that really are just wrong. Perverting justice. We'll see companies and leaders of companies. And I do it all. The, I, I work in finance and I'm with business leaders. People who affect a lot of people's lives and we see them promoting lifestyles that God says are wrong. In fact, God says are evil. And they will promote them as being good things. And I'm sometimes it's to the point where it's actually surprising. Perhaps it's surprising to you. Those of us who follow Christ, it's surprising. But, but the Bible is telling us that we shouldn't be that surprised, isn't it? That's what we just learned. Folks that have rejected God are doing exactly what God said would happen when they reject Him. So what are we void of in sin? We're, we're void of righteousness, goodness, 
spirituality, justice, mercy, we're void of humility and love. In other words, we are not holy as God is holy and our end is death. Because if you hold your place here in Ephesians 4, but listen to what God says in Romans chapter 6, verses 20 through 21. For when you were slaves of sin, he's talking to people who were slaves of sin. They aren't not. He's talking to Christians. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, you didn't have to live righteous lives. You didn't. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Sin enslaves us. It imprisons us. It leads to death. That's our destiny in sin. Let's go back and keep reading here in Ephesians 4.18. Keep reading here. We're, we're talking about the person wrapped up in a life of sin. What is happening here? They are having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Sin darkens. Sin leads to death through ignorance. It blinds the heart so that one can't see properly any longer. It deadens the conscience to the point where Paul can say that they are past feeling. They are past feeling, having given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. It doesn't hurt anymore. There is no more shame. There are no more excuses. In fact, it escalates. There's a story that Brother Owens relayed about a wolf. It was a, it was a dangerous wolf in Alaska, and it was killing the livestock. And they couldn't catch it. He was a wily wolf, a dangerous wolf. They needed to catch it because he was killing them, killing their livestock. So the town leaders, they developed a plan. They ended up killing another animal, and they covered a sharp sword with the blood and stuck it frozen in the ground. They stuck this blade in the ground covered with another animal's blood. And ultimately, the wolf, he would smell that blood, found it, and began to lick the sword so ferociously that in time, the cold blood gave way to warm blood, and in time, he ate himself to death, literally eating his own blood. It's a very vivid depiction, but that's sin. That's what it looks like. When we get into sin, it warps, it distorts, it blinds and makes the mind ignorant. It feels good. It tastes good. In fact, the Bible calls it a passing pleasure. It's enjoyable at first. And as a result, the mind cannot process the information spiritually. Everything is processed carnally or fleshly. We're not looking to the next life. We're thinking about this life. I want it and I want it now carnally and as a result it escalates it corrupts and you've heard of people who need more drugs right we've all seen it more sex more alcohol in order to get the same high that's what sin does it gives way to greed i need more i need more but at the same time it's dangerous in this regard it doesn't provide feeling and so you keep going and going and going until your past feeling. And if your past feeling, can it satisfy? No. It can't. And in turn, you turn on you. 
You become your own worst enemy. You'll hear people say, I, I can't stop. I can't, I want to stop. I can't stop. But you, do you know what the Apostle Paul doesn't say? He does not say, well, you, you can't fix it. He doesn't say, no, no, there's nothing you can do. Nothing can be done. You were born that way, so there's really nothing you can do about it. No, he points to Jesus. He points to Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Creator. We keep reading in Ephesians 4.20. And the Apostle Paul says to the Christians there, But you have not so learned Christ. You have not so learned Christ. When you needed to be converted and changed, it first began through learning. And in verses 21 through 23, he says that learning changes the mind. It reboots the mind. It gets the mind back to God. So in Ephesians 4.21, Paul goes on to say, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. And we know that happens through the process of baptism, through connecting with the blood of Christ. Ultimately, we are no longer slaves to sin, Romans chapter 6, verse 6. But the mind given to sin is not right. It destroys and distorts the image, but Christ can convert our minds to proper living if we will follow his teaching. We need to humbly acknowledge that we have a problem. And then in his first sermon to humanity, in Matthew chapter 5, the greatest sermon ever was his first sermon. Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus tells us, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We need to humbly recognize we've got a problem. We need help. We need that desire to get the help that we need to surrender to him. The Lord of heaven can fix it. He wants to fix it. And when I struggle with sin, the best advice I've been given, the best course of action is to sit down and really focus on Jesus. Surrender to him. Focus on his lordship. Focus on his life as a man here on earth. Focus on his teachings. Really meditate on him. Allow his word to direct our lives. And then get on the business with serving him by serving others. Working with him. And serving others and spending time with one another. That's the remedy. And immediately after verse 23 in Ephesians 4, Paul talks about a different way of living. Look what happens here. Immediately after saying, renewed in the spirit of your mind, this new man created in the image of God who follows the truth that is in Jesus, look what he does. He will put off lying and start telling the truth in verse 25. He is still angry on occasion in verse 26, but he doesn't sin in that anger. In verse 28, instead of stealing, you were a thief. Oh, but now you go to work and you give to someone in need instead. Man is getting back to what he was always meant to be from the very beginning. He's getting back to that spiritual nature of God that God spoke of when he said, Let's, let us make man in our image. But this brings us to point number two on our outlines. In addition to conversion, we need redemption. We need redemption. Being made in the image of God means that I can be redeemed. I'm redeemable. When the world is telling us what we're not worth, assigning different values to different people based mostly on external things. What do you look like? How much money in your bank account? Are you pretty or are you not? Assigning different values to different people based on things that really don't matter to God. 
And they'll sometimes go so far as saying that person is worthless. We've heard it said before. I've heard it. That person is worthless. And sometimes people believe it. You know? Humans have minimized their worth. But Scripture tells us that human beings are God's plan A. There is no plan B. We are His offspring. He is our Father. He loves us. It means that I'm not worthless. I'm not a waste. God's estimate of humanity is they are worth it. And in Romans 3.23, God is clear. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the mark, but God had a plan, a righteous plan to help us, to redeem us. He sent Jesus. He offers grace through Jesus, through whom all people have access to the redemption that is in Him if they have faith. Romans 3.23-25. In Ephesians 1.7, we find that in Christ we have redemption. We have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. In sin, I am the child who left the father's house and gone out into the far country. And I filled myself with sin and found myself face down in a pig's pen. Contemplating eating the slop. And in far too many instances, humanity has eaten the slop. We've eaten the slop of atheism. So we don't think we're valuable. We don't think that we're redeemable. And we're eating the slop of humanism, eating the slop of immorality. The world keeps offering in the slop. Live for pleasure. Fill, 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 fill. Whatever satisfies your desires, fill your passions. That's slop. That's slop. Feeding us the slop of materialism. The one with the most toys wins. This world is all there is, so just consume, consume, consume. Get, get, get. That's slop. We eat the slop of nihilism. There is no point in this world, some will say. There's no reason to go on. Suicide, that's a viable option. Life's not worth living anyway. I'm useless. Eating this slop leads to despair. Hopelessness. Christ is missing from the picture. And without Christ, without the understanding of what God has done for us, you can see why there's no hope in people's lives. Sin. A lack of understanding the image of God. Someone is on the streets today. Some young girl ran away from home. Now she's doing drugs. Maybe she's engaged in prostitution. Some young man is in the streets doing drugs, selling drugs, stealing from his family members. And young person went away to college. They left home a virgin. Now they become sexually active and are struggling with guilt. A young person has been drinking and partying more and more and missing worship service, going to service less and less. Someone is struggling with their faith today. They keep showing up, but they doubt the inspiration of Scripture and they doubt the existence of God and His power in our lives. The situation and the circumstance does not matter because the ones who share the image of God are redeemable. Luke chapter 15, the Bible says the young son came to himself. And in verse 17, he left home and pursued a life of sin. He lost everything. He was contemplating eating the pig's food. 
But he came to his senses and sin. His life was ruined. And when he came to realize this, he said, I've, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against my heavenly father and my earthly father. And in this young man's estimation, because of what I've done, I'm no longer worthy. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But he went home to a father who thought and knew he was worthy. Maybe the young man in the distance saw his father and shame filled his heart. And maybe as we can imagine it, he thought to himself, that's a, that's a long way back. And maybe he just walked that direction anyway, hoping for the best. Even my father's servants have food enough to eat. Maybe I can be like one of them. But hidden to him, unknown to him at the time, there was his father looking in the distance with hope. And as the son is dragging and looking down, the father is looking up. And as the young man is slowly walking and dragging in doubt and shame and fear, the father is running. He runs and grabs his son and says, my son, son. He kissed this dirty, foul stench, rags for clothes, no shoes. Kisses his son. And before the son could get out the word, I've sinned against heaven. I've, I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy. The father wouldn't hear it. Go get a robe and a ring and some shoes and kill the fatted calf. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We've been hoping for this day. My son is home. He was dead, but now he's alive. My boy is home. People who share the image of God must know that they're redeemable. Doesn't matter what we've gotten ourselves into. They must understand that God's mission, our mission, is to save them. Doesn't matter what we've gotten into. Our Father will have us back. Mankind is truly unique. He is created in the image of the Almighty. And because of this, because of what God has done for us, this means you don't have to remain a slave to sin. That's point number three in your outline, Romans 6.6. 6. We should no longer be slaves of sin. Sharing the image of God is a clear declaration. It's a clear declaration that you don't have to stay the same. We can stop sinning. We can make a different decision. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Not true. Once a drug addict, always a drug addict. That's not true. Once a pornographic user, always a pornographic user. No, that is not true. Once a liar, once a fornicator, once a drunkard, once a thief, once a homosexual, once an adulterer, always one. Not true. God's Scripture says something very different. In fact, Scripture is full. It's full of image shares of God making a different choice. 
demonstrating that premise. Once a sinner, always is not true. As image sharers of God, we need conversion. We need redemption. And because of what God has done for us, we are no longer slaves to sin. We can, we can go to heaven. We have a destiny. Jesus can open blind eyes to bring out prisoners from the prison. Those who sit in darkness, Isaiah 42, 6. We were created for a different purpose. We were created to be a force for good. Christians are those who are God's workmanship created for good works. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. Ephesians 2.10. So as we consider all this, all that we've learned today, including this morning, that we are created in God's image means that we are redeemable, that we have purpose, we have tremendous worth, we have each other, that we're not illegitimate, that we are loved and that we can choose not to be a slave to sin, and lastly, that we have a destiny. People are, are constantly wanting to know, what's my destiny? 1 Corinthians fifteen forty nine, And we have borne the image of the man of dust, and we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. If we follow God, our destiny is to be like Him. And eventually to be with Him in heaven. Scripture says that you're eternal. This world is not your home. We're just a passing through. And the Bible says that you have an inheritance if you're in Jesus. Incorruptible, undefiled, unfaded, reserved in heaven. What's your destiny, Justin? Heaven? Heaven. Where are you going? Heaven. We're going to heaven. What's the certainty? God has given his word. First John chapter five, verses 11 through 13. And this is the testimony in first John five, 11 through 13. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you. Who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Because I'm made in the image of God answers the question of destiny. What's your destiny? We started out the sermon with that question. There are two possible destinations presented in Scripture depending on how we respond to God's invitation. If you're not a Christian... Heaven has an invitation. What does God desire? He desires that all people go to heaven. But He leaves a choice to us. Scripture says in John chapter 12, verse 48, that Christ's word will judge us in the last day. It's our measuring stick. God's word will judge us in the last day. If we love God, we will keep His commandments. John 14, 15. Have you chosen to obey the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is God's power unto salvation from sin. Romans 1.16 But 2 Thessalonians, this passage always... I catch my breath when I read this passage because in 2 Thessalonians 1.7-8 tells us that when Christ returns, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, 
And I want to stop there because I thought all angels were mighty. He's going to be coming back with his mighty angels and he will in flaming fire take vengeance on those who do not know God and very important on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will punish sin. Those who have rejected his remedy for sin, those who have rejected Jesus will be punished eternally. They will go to hell. Now I'm talking about valuable people who have undervalued their lives. But God doesn't want that. God desires that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2.4 So how does one obey the gospel of Christ? Well, Jesus tells us in John chapter 8, verse 24, that he will die in our, we will die in our sins if we do not believe that He is the Messiah. We need to believe that he, was, he is who He says He is. He's our Lord and our Savior. We also need to confess Him before others. Romans 10.9 If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. He also tells us in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, that unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So in addition to submission to his will, to believing him and confessing him before others, he has something very important for us to do. He wants us to turn away from sinful behavior. We are not slaves to sin. Turn away from it. He commands all men everywhere to repent. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. This is part of the gospel message. And as part of the gospel message, the part of the gospel of Christ that saves as part of our faith, Jesus commands us to be baptized, immersed in water, at which point we come into the contact with the saving blood of Christ. Most assuredly, I say to you in John 3, 5, Jesus says this, I say to you, unless one is born of water in the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So that's the point where God removes our sin. That's where he puts us into his family into the church of Christ, into his kingdom. So if you desire to make this the time to obey the gospel, or if you're a Christian struggling with sin in your life, perhaps you've not been giving your best to God, and you need the prayers and support of this congregation. Look, we're a family. We're in this thing together. That's what we're here for, to help each other out. Please come forward while we stand and sing.